Happy Thanksgiving and welcome back to those guys. It is an amazing weekend for a holiday weekend. But more importantly, we are now just 24 hours away from the Michigan Wolverines facing off with the Ohio State Buckeyes. It is going to be a fucking battle. Number two in the country versus number three in the country. A spot in the Big Ten Championship and likely a college football playoff berth all on the line. We're getting into it today. We got three different guests for their own individual segments. I've got Zim joining me. I got Spencer Goldberg joining me. And then we have Nicole Bluth joining before we wrap it up to get a little Ohio State perspective as well. Let's get ready for this game. Those guys start right now. All right, Zim, welcome on. Making your second appearance on those guys. How's it going? Good to be back. We are now, we are recording this Wednesday afternoon. We are about, we are under 72 hours away from the game. The Michigan Wolverines, the Ohio State Buckeyes. You're my, you're my college football expert, even though you got a lot of Michigan bias. So I'm bringing you on to discuss some of this shit right now. Oof. Wow. What a week. I mean, first off, I've been starting myself way too early. It's been two days now that all I can think about is this Michigan-Ohio State game. And the more and more I think about it, the more uh, pressure I build upon myself because fact of the matter is we really need to win. And uh, it's probably – I would say it's up there with top top four biggest sporting events of my life. Maybe I was actually about to ask – I was about to ask that. Like, is this potentially the biggest sports game of your life? I want to like, say what, yes. what else would even be up there? I mean – you you have to include the playoff game last year and the year before like, that. I mean, like, not yeah. like obviously playing against Georgia, we got killed, and then the TCU game was heartbreaking. But like you think of the importance of this game, and then you think if we win this game, there are more games to come. So obviously, every game past what this game is is still playing for a championship. So I think at this point, I got to just take it game by game. Obviously. If this, it, they're all important. If this one, we lose this one, it's over. So every game is basically a championship game at this point. So, yeah, that's not, this has got to be number one, Mish Ohio State, though, right? It's got to be. Oh, 100%. I think with all of the surrounding uh, shenanigans, I'll call it, because I obviously it's a whole different conversation, the allegations and whatever. Actually, I just saw something that came out today that the NCAA was considering. Uh, changing the rule for electronic communication and in-person scouting. So I think that the whole thing is just a, just a way to get Harbaugh back. Yeah. It's a joke. Either, either out of the, out of college football or back into the NFL. But yeah, I think it's a joke, but I think that with everything going on, I think I, I honestly think Ryan Day's job is on the line. I think really, wow. I think that would be fucking. I think sick. At, I, I at least think it should be. I think that would be sick. It's, it's three years in a row. It's losing to your biggest rival. It's not making the Big Ten championship. And I think that you question the same thing that Harbaugh was questioned a couple of years back about not winning the big games. Ryan Day gets these insane number one recruiting classes and Marvin Harrison's and the Jackson Smith and Jigbos and Garrett Wilson's and you can't beat your biggest rival. So I think his job has to be in question if you're considering yourself one of the biggest and best programs in the country. Yeah, no, I think that would be fucking crazy if he got fired. Obviously, I'm not a Ryan Day fan. I think he's a fucking loser. But I just don't know if beating them this year means he's definitely gone. I guess that remains to be seen. Yeah, but no, I don't to, know if it's definitely gone. We'll to, to your point, though, like about this being the Michigan – about this game being Michigan-Ohio State's biggest year of life, I also think what's got to contribute to that is this is definitely the first time in probably 15 years, I would say, 13 years, where there's a large majority of Michigan fans who are overly confident that Michigan's going to win and – it would to the point where it's always heartbreaking to lose to Ohio State, but to lose to Ohio State when they're the consensus favorite to win the game would be a whole new level. So it's just an added pressure on Michigan that they have to get this done this year. Yeah, I think I, I mean you obviously everyone remembers the 
the Michigan State return touchdown game. I think that was the season two where everyone was like, this is the team. This is – we're going to make the championship. Yeah, but even then, they had to go to Ohio State that year. Right, And right. they – like, they still had an elite team, Ohio State. They had won eight years in a row to that point. They still – I think they still had Elliott that year maybe, or maybe that was the year after. They definitely had Barrett, I think it was, that year. I don't know. They they were a consensus favorite, Ohio State. But now, for the first time, even though Michigan had a really good team that year, that the Michigan State punt game or whatever – this is the team where the overwhelming majority feels that Michigan's actually the better team and they should take care of business at home. Yeah, totally agree. I'm, and I, I don't think, yeah, to your point, I don't think we've, we as Michigan fans has felt, have felt that in a long time. I know, I mean, it's just been quarterback play. Their quarterback play and their, their talent is just, right. has been way significantly better even last 100%. year. 100%. When we went and this to year, it's, State, it's not yeah. even, a, I, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I can't remember the last time. Maybe, I mean, I guess since Denard Robinson, even then, like, I think they still probably had an amazing quarterback when you go into the game and you think that there is a wide, wide gap between quarterbacks in terms of the talent and ability. Yep, I totally agree. And, I mean, who knows? I I, I hope that J.J. is 100%. I know that he's been dealing with that. I trust him. I, I trust him. I think if we – Harbaugh needs to just figure out how to tell Sharon Moore, you know, this is your game. You have the full playbook. This is what we've been – we're undefeated. We have been – we ran the ball 32 times in a row against Penn State. We ran the ball majority of the time against Maryland. You know, this is your time where you have supposedly your first-round quarterback and you literally dump and, and pour everything onto the field to win that game. I, Who cares I about Big Ten Championship? You know, hopefully – if we get there, Iowa's, you know, a beatable team, and then you figure out the playoff. But They'll take care th- of Iowa. This is the, this is the this game is you it. have to win, so you have to do everything to win this game. This is it's on. You're honestly so right. I feel like this is such an underrated moment for JJ McCarthy. I feel like if he on Saturday has a big game, throws a ton of yards, makes the right decisions, big throws and big moments, and just a masterclass defeats Ohio State. That's now three years in a row they've beaten Ohio State. The past two years, he's been the starter. He's been in the program now for three years. There would be three years in a row in the playoff. J.J. has a chance to elevate himself in the upper echelon of Michigan quarterbacks, like, ever with a win on Saturday. Oh, definitely. Like, ever. Oh, definitely. He is a total legend. He beats Ohio State again. And I, I think he's built to recognize that this is his moment, and he can go down as an all-time great, not just Michigan quarterback, just Michigan football player ever if he does this again. Yep, 100% agree. And I think that – I think the best part about J.J., honestly, is that he – you know, you have have guys like Jaden Daniels and Caleb Williams, and Jaden Daniels runs for 250 yards and throws for 300 and has eight touchdowns. That's not J.J. That's a great college football player, but it's not – LSU has three losses. You know, J.J. For a college football playoff, it's, yep. it's the difference between being a gr- a great individual player and leading your team to amazing success, and that's what JJ does. So I think that, yeah, to your point, he really has a chance to be one of those guys that you remember in Michigan history forever. Insane, he really is an amazing opportunity. But I want to get to this a little bit. So obviously, we've discussed how it's probably the biggest Michigan Ohio State game of our lives. Certainly feels that way, and I think that one of the reasons why. It's just because of the stakes of this game in terms of the playoff implications. And I know that I read a tweet this week. I sent it to you that this is probably the final time for the rest of our lives, unless they go back to a 14 playoff, but the final time for at least the near future where an 11 and one Michigan or Ohio state football team wouldn't have the chance to compete for the national championship in the playoff. So the stakes are as high as they've ever been. And it almost feels as if, there might never be a Michigan-Ohio State game this important because both teams have a real chance to win the national championship. At least they both feel that way. And the team that loses this game is probably done when any other year going forward, the loser of this game is still going to the playoff. Yeah, I think if you think about the 12-team playoff, I mean, if you think about it now, one loss one loss and a conference championship with a decently hard strength of schedule should get you in. I think that 
it's not even a question going forward. If you have a 12-team playoff, every one of at least the, the, the people contending for conference championships are going to be in the playoff no matter what. You have even a team like Louisville, who's 10-1 and one playing for a conference Right, they're still competing going forward. Right, if they lose, even if they lose, I mean, two losses, you never know. Like, they get in over a team like Missouri. They probably get in over a Penn State. Like, right. you can afford to lose one of these games and not have your season totally ruined by that loss. So I think that this game is really – the last, obviously, it's Michigan versus Ohio. State. It's always going to be big, game. but yeah, but the implications. You're right. I think that you'll probably never get it again. And I think that in in a lot of cases, if you realign the Big Ten or you create one big conference and you just play a bunch of schedules, play a bunch of games in the schedule, you can potentially see a season where Michigan plays Ohio State on Thanksgiving plays them the week after in the Big Ten Championship, and then potentially plays them again in the playoffs. So it's right. like you have these games where you win and you send your rival home. They can't even play in a meaningful bowl game. And then in the future, you know, you ne- you never know. It's just like I- ESPN glazes Ohio State, so does everybody. So they it's ridiculous. Give them a high percentage of getting in even with a loss, even though when – when we lose, we're out. Even they have a terrible win against Notre Dame. People thought that was good. It's shit. And then they have the same wins as us, Penn State. So, yeah, I think that it's really this is the last time that we'll see something like that. And it's awesome that we get. To it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Awesome. And I think that also contributes to why it's such a big moment for McCarthy and the program because this obviously is as big of as big as stakes could ever be, and maybe going forward. But because of that this has potential to be one of those games where you really remember it. Like you know, if, if this is a close game and it comes down to the last possession or two and McCarthy leads them down the field or Ohio state scores late in the game or whatever it may be, if it's competitive, it has a chance to be one of those games where you can remember for a long time in college football. And I think both teams recognize that the fan base recognizes it. I haven't seen this much hype about a Michigan football game. Like, Ever, honestly. And I know you mentioned TCU and Georgia were the playoff games. This feels like a kind of program changing game where going forward, the implications aren't going to be as high. And you'll always kind of have this game. If you won this one that matters this much, you'll always have that against the other program for eternity going forward because it won't matter as much. I almost compare it to like Duke and UNC. Like they never, ever play in the final four. And that one time they played in the final four when UNC knocked them off, they're always going to have that over Duke. And it probably won't matter as much again until they meet back in the final four. They can trade regular season blows, whatever it may be. That's what this one feels like. If you win this one, you can hold on to this one for a long time. Yeah, it's a, it's it's truly a pleasure to be part of. And like you said, it's a program-changing game. I mean, you think about these recruits who, who want to go to school and you get – Sure, you the playoffs expanding, whatever, but you want to think of who, whatever, forget the past. The past is the past. The Michigan program is totally different than it was, you know, all those years that Ohio State beat them. But you want to think of a program going forward. Who do you want to play for? Hopefully, Harbaugh's still there, but you want to play for the team that beats their rival. And of course, if you can have a team like Michigan, who is a who is a college football powerhouse, I know Ohio State is too, but you are questioning going to Michigan because you're like, we can't beat our rival and we're not going to play meaningful games down the road. Well, here you go. Now we're going to beat them three years in a row and we are solidifying and cementing ourselves as a a championship contending team every single season going forward. 100%. All right, before I let you go, one last thing to talk about. So is there any, any possibility that team loses this game and can still get in the playoffs. And what does that path look like? I think no. I mean, I agree that there are unfortunately too many teams that are realistically, it's going to come down to what I believe is the teams that win their conference championships. And it's unfortunate that Iowa gets in because the big 10 West is so weak. But I think that if you're not playing at least, not even playing for a conference championship, you have no path of getting in. I think that 
my what I think is going to be the playoff is the winner of the Big Ten. Yeah, winner of the Pac-12. One hundred percent are the two locks at least. Those are locks. Yes, correct. So you either have it, Washington or is Oregon. the winner of the SEC a lock? Is Bama one hundred percent in if they beat Georgia? They so gotta be right. I think it depends what happens. I think that if some people think differently, I think that the committee can't punish an undefeated team that goes thirteen and zero throughout the regular season and wins their conference championship just because their quarterback got hurt. Like I understand that they might not be the four the one of the four best teams but if you have a team in florida state that goes undefeated and you take them out of the playoff sure like cincinnati made the made the all right fine i kind of i kind of agree with that but okay so now fine we're in agreement there florida state goes undefeated i think they have that third locked spot but their path is not necessarily easy by any means especially with jordan travis out hypothetical scenario florida state finds a loss and the winner of the Big Ten's in, the winner of the Pac-12 is in. Bama beats Georgia. Are both Bama and Georgia in? Or is that maybe the path where you can argue, like, Georgia or the loser of Michigan-Ohio State? So I think – well, I think that what would happen, assuming that Texas wins the Big 12, is right. that Texas has to get in. You think – you look at the – So you think Texas gets in over Georgia and the loser of Michigan-Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, the loser of Michigan-Ohio State doesn't even make their conference championship. And you think about Texas, they have a loss, but they beat Alabama. And you look at the last college football top 25 rankings by the committee, Texas has been ahead of Bama every single time. So you look at the head-to-head win, and if they both win their conference championships, I get the Alabama win would be better. But then you look at who actually beat the other team head to head, which is very few cases you have that. But Texas has that over Alabama. So that's true. That's I don't true. know how the committee. That's true. Say, in 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 Alabama too. Right. So I don't know Fine. how the committee can say Texas beat Alabama. We're going to put Alabama ahead of them because they. Right. That's Georgia. a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. So all right. So fine. So if Bama wins, Pac-12 winner, Big Ten winner, and then it's. Probably Texas, you're saying, or Florida State. That's one scenario. Yep. So then the only other scenario, I guess, that there is, is Georgia wins. They're locked in, obviously. Pac-12 yep. championship winner in. Yep. Um, Big 10 winner in, that's three. And then Florida State loses. So now you're deciding between the loser of the Pac-12 championship the loser of Michigan, Ohio State, and Texas as a Big 12 championship winner. What would even be more interesting is if Texas loses in the Big 12 championship. So that's the scenario where either the Pac-12 championship loser or the loser of this game on Saturday gets in. Yeah, and I... If Texas and Florida State both lose. Yeah, and then... And, oh, like, sorry, by the way, the Pac-12, if um, if Oregon loses again, they're not getting in with two losses. So no. my question would be if Oregon then won and it was like, let's say Michigan won, Georgia goes, um, Oregon wins the Pac-12, those three are locked in. Is the fourth team Washington or Ohio State? And do either of them have a case over Texas at all if Texas wins the Big 12? Or Florida they don't State? Have a case if, they don't have a case if Texas wins the Big 12. But if Texas loses then is it ohio state or is it washington Uh, it's tough so that's so that's really the path for michigan if they were to lose this game they need oregon to win they need or or sorry i guess they could have washington then win again wash if washington wins ohio state wins georgia wins and then texas and florida state lose then michigan's getting that four one loss michigan gets in then 100 percent yeah, that's that's we, the path. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's, path. That's got to be it. I mean, that's the path because you have Alabama two losses, Texas two losses. Yeah, you have Wa- Georgia, or, or Florida State, Florida State Washington out in. Oh no, you have no Washington. Washington. No Florida State's out. Right, Washington's yeah, Florida in. Florida State out. Ducks Georgia two losses. In, Washington in. Ohio State in. Ducks two losses. Texas two losses. Bama two losses. Then then that's the path. Then yeah, I I think that. You, I think that then the committee goes to who's the better team, and Michigan is better than Louisville with both with one loss, even with the conference championship. Yeah, so, I agree. 
you have to, I guess, give it to the better team. And then, and that's a very unlikely path. Like that's one yeah, specific scenario. Yeah. And that's really the only hope for the loser of this game. That's together. finding, that's a lot of good teams finding losses again. Yeah. It's a ton of good teams. So you never know, but Hey, at least, at least we're in this position, you know, it's what's your, what's to- your prediction right now? I have Georgia one, Michigan two, ducks, three, Florida state four. I have, yeah, or I have Washington. I, I well, you got to make a pretty. Of course, you have Georgia or Washington. So does everyone. That's the point of a prediction. No, no, no. I have, I have, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I would say I'm gonna give Washington the win over Oregon in that game. So I'm gonna have Georgia one, Michigan two, Washington three, Florida State four. Which I hope doesn't happen because I'd rather play Florida State in the in the semifinals. It's very unlikely. Very but unlikely. If Florida State gets in, they're going to be four. That's even if they're like undefeated, which I, that's that, the only that path. I, I think they're getting so four. That I that I can agree with you on. I think they'd give them four. Yeah, and they're getting they're getting better. Georgia. Yeah, they're getting Georgia. They're going to be four. I mean, yeah, I I think that it's. It's pretty crazy, but you need in order for the chaos to happen, teams need to start losing. Which, yeah. I, so we'll see. I'm excited, but let's go. Look, dude, the big what one a weekend is this ahead. Weekend. Let's go. This is what we live for, honestly. Yeah, well, let's go. Wow. What, what more can you ask for than playing for a chance in the playoff against your biggest rival and at home? You know, the big house is going to be fucking rocking. So. All right, score Thanks. prediction. Before we go, score prediction. I think it's going to be low, lower scoring than people think. I think it's going to be – I'm going to go 31-20 Michigan. Wow. I love it. I love it. Who's the MVP of the game for Michigan? Oh, man, I hope it's Edwards and Corum. I really hope so. Any sleeper picks for MVP for Michigan? Someone that you just think could just be the reason Michigan wins this game out of nowhere? Like not Corum, not McCarthy, not Edwards. Anyone else? Mikey Sanders still, baby. I think that – or Will Johnson. I think that – look, I think that it's going to be impossible to guard Marvin Harrison and to keep him contained the entire game. But if we can – if we can keep him under a little bit of – you know, containment and the offensive line, you know, Brandon Graham, McGregor, and Chris Jenkins can put a little bit of pressure on McCord, get him uncomfortable. Don't let him sit in the pocket because that's when he can just wait for Marvin Harrison to be open. All right, I'm going to say MVP is going to be the uh, defensive line. Get to McCord, get a couple sacks, put him under pressure the entire game. If that happens, I think we win the game. I think that's the key to the game. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Go blue, baby. Go blue. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk soon. I'll see you soon. Go blue. Go blue. All right. We have Spiegel here. Welcome on. Making you those guys debut. How's it going, Speaks? It's uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be here making my debut, Luba. I'm I'm honored to have you here. It's long overdue. Uh, So I guess let's just get into it. Obviously, we're we're sticking on the theme of Michigan, Ohio State. Preview podcast, prediction, sharing stories, good memories we have, etc. But I got to go back to freshman year uh, because Michigan-Ohio State uh, is the birth of the hedge of the emotional happiness. So I'm going to need you to clarify a little bit on what happened because to me, the story is that when we were freshmen at Michigan, you actually decided to bet a good amount of money on Ohio state because had Ohio state won, you would have been a little bit less upset because you won money on them. Are these allegations true? Did you really bet on Ohio state? Is this the true birth of the hedge of the emotional happiness? Um, it is. Um, I, I remember the line was Ohio state minus six and a half. That was it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe exactly. Michigan, we were we were home for the game, or you know, it was a Michigan home game. It was at the big. Yeah. Game. The line was questionable. Michigan was largely unimpressive. Um, our freshman year, terrible. I mean, we had beaten Notre Dame, but we lost pretty handily to 
Wisco that year. I wasn't a huge Shea Patterson fan, and I did not feel confident going into that game. And I guess this was the creation of the idea of the, uh, the hedge of the emotional happiness, where, you know, if I bet on Michigan being a loyal Michigan fan and they lost and I lost money, well, I would have been doubly upset. Like, that would have just been a shitty way for the, for the game to go. So I was like, okay, the line's a little soft. Ohio State's going to absolutely throttle us. I might as well not be super depressed and, like, at least make a little money off of my misery. It's valid. It's valid. I, I think it's funny because I, like, th- I remember those days as the times where you expected Michigan to get blown out every year. Like, the game going into it, there was no confidence on the Michigan side. And I, too, remember, like, when we were six and a half, I'm sure I was saying there's no shot we win. I just never would have brought myself to actually physically bet on Ohio State, even though I probably should have been for years. Uh, so pretty impressive stuff by you. But is this something like, do you keep doing this? Have you been, have you been in the closet betting on Ohio State consistently, or was this just a freshman year thing? Well, well freshman year, it was interesting because I didn't grow up a Michigan fan. I think, like, I think a, lot of, a lot of our friends had ties to Michigan, um, and so that was like a really like strong attachment. I was like four months into my Michigan fandom and I already, very I, good point. I drove to Penn state six hours each way. I sat in the student section and got berated for the entire game and they lost. I went to Wisco that weekend, uh, when we played Wisco and we lost and I, I just wasn't really impressed with Michigan. I mean, that Those year, were bad days of Michigan football. We, we we beat you know we beat Army in overtime on a field goal, like we beat Iowa that year like ten three. It was just it wasn't good football, and um you know since then um I was I my friends would not let me do it sophomore year, and thankfully it didn't come to anything because the game got canceled because of COVID anyways. Sure, but. There was, I feel like that was necessary. We had to have a two and five year where we just really hit rock bottom so that we could. I agree. I don't think we're where we are today without that season. No shot. No shot. And I think that there was an air about the team junior year. The defense was exceptional. Like the offense was firing on different cylinders. Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum was a great running back duo. I didn't want to bet on Michigan junior year because at that point it was an eight-year streak of losing and I wasn't sold but I didn't want to bet on Ohio State either like I, I did I did think that Michigan had a shot in that game and then last year senior year uh, I was confident as hell going in and I bet a lot on Michigan that was good value on Michigan though because we were underdogs and we were very good like I think it was the same spread as our freshman year and we were actually really good last year so that was that actually made sense. This, I think it's the first time, or it's not the first time. I, we were favored one other time in the past 14 years, I believe. I mean, we won in 2011. So I guess the 13 games, and I don't remember if we were favored or not in that game, but the past 13 seasons, I believe we've been favored one other time, which was, I believe it was our junior year of high school, I want to say, or maybe our senior year of high school at Ohio State. And that was when we lost, like, 62 to 39 or 29 to Dwayne Haskins. So that didn't really go over well. We're favored again this year. Is there a small PD, PCU speaks that is like Ohio State points value a little bit? No, no. No, nothing. I, I think I think this year I'm as confident as ever as I've been in Michigan. Um, Same. The, Same. The loss of Harbaugh is – can't be understated. I think that he's a huge I think that's overrated. I, I think the opposite. I think like him on the sideline makes a really big difference. Personally, so what, I think though? like okay, so yeah, like all right. So he's gonna decide if they go for it on fourth down or not, or when to kick or whatever. And like sure, like motivation of players and knowing like the right buttons to click, I guess, with like personnel, but he's not calling the offensive or defensive plays, right? Um, I don't believe so. It, it's more so just that my concern stems from Sherrill's 
inexperience in that position. Like Sharon Moore has never been a head coach. And depending sure. on how the Harbaugh situation plays out, I think the two most likely scenarios are he either gets fired because the university can't have its reputation tarnished or he jumps ship and goes to the NFL. And the most obvious candidate to promote is Sharon Moore. But, you know, like the Penn State game was just utter domination, but it wasn't fun football. It wasn't entertaining football. It wasn't a good football game to watch. And the Maryland game, like they – they moved the ball well against us. They stopped us several times when we were on offense. You would expect in an 18-and-a-half-point spread for there to be more conviction on Michigan's side, and there just wasn't. And so That's fair. Sharon Moore being the, you know, the effective head coach for the game against OSU, a bit worrisome for me, but this is the best Michigan football team I, I've ever seen. For sure. Top, top to bottom. Um, no question. I, I also think this is one of Ohio State's worst teams that I can remember. I think Kyle McCord is awful. I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a top three Big Ten quarterback. That's like very valid. I mean, like I would, McCarthy's I would say, better. To his brother's better. And I, <clears> and um, I think Drew Aller's better. Aller is fucking horrible, Speaks. Come on. I, I definitely think he's still better than McCord. I think if you put Aller in on Ohio State and McCord on Penn State, I think Penn State's gonna would finish a seven and five team. McCord possible. looks great. McCord looks great because he has It's possible. It's possible. You know, he is Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Buka. He's got Travion Henderson. Like his job is That's incredibly fair. easy. I think Aller isn't working with the same amount of talent. And last time I checked, he has like twenty touchdowns to one interception. Like he's a, at, at the very least extremely efficient. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think I think Michigan's going to take care of business at home. We're uh, fucking I'm very excited to watch the game. Same. I, I mean, I don't think that it's as big of a deal because I think it's underrated that Harbaugh is able to coach all throughout the week at practice and game planning, et cetera. I feel like if he were suspended and away from the team for three weeks, that would be a much bigger deal. But the players play. McCarthy's still out there. Blake Corm's still out there. The defense is still out there. The offensive line's still out there. I think that as long as everyone is relatively healthy, and I know everyone's beat up this time of year, but as long as everyone's locked in and ready to go on the game plan that Harbaugh's putting in place, the players got to go out there and play and execute and fucking take care of these guys. I'm sick of them. We got to get rid of them. Yeah, and I think that this game is going to look a lot more like the Penn State game than it did than the Maryland game. I think, I think Harbaugh and Sharon Moore are going to say we're going to run it down their throats. Donovan Edwards ran for like 212 rushing yards last year, I think, or something like that. Uh, and we didn't even have Blake Corum. Blake Corum adds such a dynamic element to this offense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, you go ahead. JJ hasn't been, wasn't that impressive against Maryland. And I don't know if that's because he hasn't really been active the last couple of weeks or, you know, he was under the weather or whatever. But I don't love what I've seen from the passing game. And I'm sure that we have been purposefully not really showing too much of our package against OSU. I guarantee you at some point against OSU, there will be a flea flicker. Um, I think we're going to pull a lot of, I think that whole narrative is so fucking stupid. I feel like that's the dumbest thing ever. Not putting tape, putting stuff on tape for OSU. What does that even mean? We had nine other football games until the last two, just because we stopped throwing the ball the past two. Like you think that OSU isn't, watching in detail every single play and formation and pre-snap like stuff going on for the past nine weeks. Obviously they are. No, I, I think they've seen it, but I think that Michigan intently hasn't really revealed its full offensive package yet. I mean, by the way, why would they, we, we've played teams that we That's are true. so significantly better than like, what's, what's the point in showing Bowling Green, or Nebraska, or Rutgers, or Minnesota, or Indy. What's the point in showing them our full offensive package? We haven't needed to. Jack Tuttle played the fourth quarter of most games. That's true. The, the suspicion would have been that Penn State on the road at Maryland, Ohio State was where we really got into the depth of our offensive package. But by not throwing the ball in the second half, and by playing very quick slants, like very basic passing plays for Michigan you know, like slants over the middle of the field to 
AJ Barner or Colson Loveland, we're not really giving away too much of our offensive game plan. So I think to that point, it's different than like say in the NFL where, you know, any given Sunday, you're always putting your best foot forward because anybody could win those games. Like I don't think Indiana really, or a Maryland or a Rutgers or a UNLV really pose much of a threat to the final score. Really? You don't think so? That's my point though. That's my point though. I think, I think that there's going to be things we see against Ohio State, Michigan. I hope so. Yet revealed. I hope so. All right, before I let you go, Speaks, we root for some horrible football teams, real ones, NFL ones, the Pats <laughs> and the Giants, well in competition right now. You guys got an excellent win on the road. That was on the road, right, at the Commanders? Or was that at home? On the road, I think. Excellent, was, yeah. excellent win for the Giants. Pats move into sole third place for the top pick. So right now we have the third pick. What are you looking for in this game in terms of like the top NFL talent? You know I'm a JJ guy. I'd be thrilled if the Pats got him, but I feel like his stock has kind of fallen as of late in the season. Marvin Harrison's stock continues to rise. Are you interested in either of those guys on the Giants, or are you solely looking at Drake May, Caleb Williams, and that's it? So I would say it's kind of in between. I don't like Drake May personally. Um, I've watched a few – UNC games he's got a good pocket presence and he throws a pretty ball but it's the ACC he's just generally untested he reminds me a lot of Mitch Trubisky in that regard why because he played for North Carolina and no more number 10 their style of play as well like I think like Mitch Trubisky had a really tough adjustment And, and you look at most ACC quarterbacks Daniel Jones sixth overall pick of the Giants. Okay, that's the dumb, this is the dumbest narrative ever. Deshaun Watson, amazing. Trevor non, Lawrence, very non good. Clemson, Non-Clemson quarterbacks. Okay, okay. so the ACC minus the best team in the ACC. What does that mean? That, that just means that the other teams in the ACC aren't as good at developing quarterbacks. It's like Lincoln Riley. Like when he was at Oklahoma, the other teams in that conference aren't great at like developing quarterbacks. Lincoln Riley was. Lincoln Riley has had a multitude of talented quarterbacks. I don't think that's a reason to stay away from Drake May. If he can't play football, he can't play football. But if he's a good quarterback, it shouldn't be held against him that he went to UNC. That's fair. I'm just personally not sold on him as much. I think the Giants – you're Caleb or bust for the Giants. I think the Giants ultimately go in one of two directions. I think they – depending on how the season goes, whether we beat you guys, we lose to you guys, like we play – you know, we play the Eagles twice. We play the Saints, Packers. I Rams. thought you had seven wins for the Giants. There was a point in time where I thought seven and ten was best case scenario. <laughs> with uh, with Tommy DeVito under center, who is honestly not even the worst quarterback in the NFL. If that's he's not possible. E- he's somehow, somehow, some way, he's not even the worst quarterback in his own state. I mean, yeah, like, I think I'd take him over Tim Boyle or Zach Wilson or – Trevor Simeon, four years removed from his prime. But I think the Giants are ultimately going to go in one of two directions. I think if they continue to lose football games. They're going to. Which I think they will. I think that they're going to do everything in their power to get Caleb Williams in one. I know that RGM has gone to USC more than one time to watch Caleb play. I think Caleb's a special quarterback. See, here's the thing, Speaks. I feel like. You guys won too many football games already. I feel like that win against the Commanders fucked you guys because I don't know if I find – like how many weeks are left in the NFL season? Seven? I don't know if I'm finding two more wins for Carolina. Like that's why your loss was so critical – or your loss, your win was so critical for the Pats because the Pats, like they need to pass all these teams and get lower and lower. Once the Pat, Once you win that third game, I feel like you're automatically – disqualified from number one because the Panthers aren't finding two more. Maybe they find one more, but I don't see, I know the Cardinals are going to win football games. They have Kyler Murray back, but the Pats need to lose to the Giants. I don't know if there's a path to the number one pick for the Giants anymore. Like you really, you really think the Panthers have two more wins in them in seven weeks. My my hope, my hope is more so that the, that the NFC South kind of collapses on itself and like, the Saints beat the Bucks. The Bucks beat the Falcons. The Falcons beat the Panthers, and the Panthers beat the Saints. In some weird kind of, they all just yeah. One win is fine. I just don't see two. The other thing I think that's the most important heading into the draft is whether or not Chicago views Fields as a franchise quarterback. If they do, if they do, 
I, by the way, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's honestly, what... it's, it's impressive that Chicago might view him as their quarterback because it's I don't possible. know how you can look at a quarterback that I think his record is now six and twenty-five or six and twenty-six, and think that that's the answer. But yeah, I don't know. That, maybe Chicago, like Chicago, losses sometimes feel like wins with their management. So I don't know. For me, if Chicago views him as their franchise quarterback, that would be so amazing for then both I of think, us. Then I think that it's only that the only possible scenario then is that they trade the Panthers pick that they have from the Bryce Young trade. And they trade it either to the Giants or the Patriots, who's ever willing to offer more capital. And I think, I think, based on seeing what Josh Allen did for the Bills and how he elevated that offense and the entire team, I think it's very possible that the Giants offer their top five pick this year, both seconds they have, because they got a second from the Leonard Williams trade, and a, maybe one or two additional future first. But I think that if Joe Schoen is convinced that Caleb Williams is him, and he's a franchise quarterback, and he's not really sure about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has an opt-out after next year. You know, he's not he's opting just, out of that money. No sure. way. No, no, no. He's not opting out. It's a, The Giants have – It's a team opt-out. option? Yes. They do those in the NFL, man? I think so. But there's the possibility that for one season, he's the most expensive backup in NFL history, and the Giants walk away from him in dead money. Or – that Daniel Jones gets traded for a really late pick because his contract sucks to a team that could could use a starting quarterback in a year or two. Not, you know, just hypothetically throwing it out there. Maybe the Vikings want to add him to the mix. Maybe the Vikings saw what he did against him in the playoffs a year ago and say, you know, if you're throwing the ball to TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, as opposed to the weapons you had in New York, we think you can be a franchise quarterback or we think – we're worth giving you a one-year prove-it type of year. But I think that either the Giants are going to go all-in on one, which the Bears, depending on whether or not they view Fields as a franchise quarterback, will trade the Panthers pick, or the Giants will sit tight at five or four. They'll move lower by the time. They'll have four or three probably, yeah. So either in either of those positions, my only rule is you can't draft an offensive skill player there. I, I think Marvin skill player? Harrison, an offensive skill player. So you can't draft, you can't draft Marvin Harrison Jr. or Brock Bowers in the top five. Why? Because we've seen it in the past. Like Kyle Pitts was an unmitigated disaster. You okay, Jamar Chase end. went five. Yes, yes, but Jamar Chase had a quarterback in place. I know, I know. That's fair. And the Giants. I don't, don't know. Have I mean, I feel like so for- investing a top five pick in a guy who can get open but doesn't have a quarterback that can accurately throw in the football. He's generational, though, dude. He's a waste. He's a waste. It's like it's like keeping a, a Bugatti next to your trailer home. Like, what's the point of it? It's I, think, I think this is the weekend that I get officially talked into Marvin Harrison playing for the Pats because I've been solely on the wave of, like, let's just get the first pick, draft a quarterback, draft the best one there. He's going to be better than Mac Jones and build from there. But – I had to remind myself that when I was in Columbus last year for the game and I had a bird's eye view of the fields, for some reason, he was wide open with no one within 10 yards of him on every single play. It was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in my life. And I think he's going to do it again this year. And that's why I'm so interested to watch this game also, because this is like an NFL game. There's, I mean, there's 22 guys on the field at all times, offense and defense, like, 22 Michigan, Ohio, Michigan, Ohio state starters on each total. And I think what 50% of those guys are going to be playing on Sundays. Eventually, maybe is that crazy high? Something like that. I don't know. But what I do know is the matchup of Marvin Harrison and Will Johnson. Right. But that's my point. That's basically my point. It's the most NFL matchup he's had. And if he looks amazing and is open on every play against this defense, when, he's the only thing that Michigan really has to worry about, in my opinion, then I'm going to get talked in to taking Marvin Harrison and then figuring out a quarterback like JJ later in the draft or Jaden Daniels or something, because this is the wide receiver era of the NFL. Every amazing football team that has a chance to win has a dominant wide receiver one. So I think that the Pats haven't had someone get open in five years and it wouldn't be the worst thing to get Marvin Harrison I already see myself getting talked into it. I'm talking myself into it right now. I can't believe it. 
I can't wait for this game. It's going to be insane. My my only my only one tip for you is to look to the other team that plays at MetLife. I mean, Garrett Wilson is one of the silkiest route runners. He's, he's excellent, though. He's outstanding, and he gets and he's he's very similar to Marvin Harrison. He gets open. Marvin Harrison's His separation better. is incredible. I'm just saying, just in terms of how capable they are of getting open and making plays in the open field. Garrett Wilson is exceptional. He's already a top 10. He's excellent. Receiver. He's phenomenal. But the problem is, is you got guys like Garrett Wilson who get one reception on four targets. And that's because he has a bad quarterback. So if the, so that's, that's my- fine. Yeah, no, I'm not saying the Pats don't have to get a quarterback. He, they definitely need a quarterback, but I can get talked into a later quarterback with Marvin Harrison than an early quarterback without Marvin Harrison. I think I can. That's fair too. I mean, we'll I, guess, I guess in that, that question that arises, what do you value in the second round? Like, I think, sure. I think Bo Nix might be around. Do you want like a 26 one coming in? Jaden Jaden Daniels, is I think he's exceptional. This is LSU. uncharted territory for me. I, I got to learn how to do this whole drafting and scouting. And like, I've never had to do this in my life where I've actually had to pay attention to college games from an NFL lens and like try to figure out who fits the Pats. I, I can't believe it's gotten this low yeah my my one piece of advice is try not to go for like an interior offensive lineman who went to chattanooga and i've already prepared myself for the fact that the pats are probably taking joe all but i guess we'll see i think i think he's who the giants target as right tackle if they stay padded four or five maybe and i think that, that would be fucking hilarious i think evan neal is not an nfl right tackle i think he profiles way better as a guard I think it's quite possible that if the Giants decide Daniel Jones is worth another year of, even though we're approaching year six, that they're going to go offensive linemen to protect him more so than they would get weapons around him. Possible. You could be right. All right. Speaks, before you go, score prediction. Michigan, what? Ohio State, what? Hmm. Um, I'm going to go 35-17 Michigan. Wow. Dominant fashion, dominant. I love it. I have two. I, I have two touchdowns. Also, I'll go. I'll go a little lower scoring. I don't know. I'm gonna go. Let's call it twenty-seven thirteen. The Wolverines take it home. All right, I like it. All right, Speaks. Thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having. Me. Talk soon. Peace, Speaks. All right, Nicole. Welcome on. I am very, very excited to have you on. It is officially Hate Week. Michigan, Ohio State, Saturday. This is a week that we both look forward to all year. Big game, big game. I couldn't, I couldn't finish this episode without having at least one Ohio State perspective on, and you came to mind. So welcome on. I'm happy to have you here. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to share for the Ohio State people out there listening. I know. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I wanted to be a little unbiased and have at least one Ohio State person. So – I had to uh, bring you on. So I guess I'll just start with this. So obviously uh, my reason for bringing you on is that you are an Ohio State alumni, but as many of our listeners know, and for those that don't know, your mom is actually a Michigan alumni. So Mm -hmm. you kind of grew up as a Michigan fan. So I really just want to know from you, since you started at Ohio State four years ago, what is like that dynamic been in your house? Have you gotten your mom to come around at all? Is there a rivalry? And what was it like switching from being a Michigan fan to an Ohio State fan so quickly? You know, it's kind of funny because my mom growing up, she was never like the biggest Michigan fan. But when it became time for me to start looking into colleges and I was like, you know, UNC Michigan, I want to go Big Ten. I want that big, like fun atmosphere school. I want to go to Michigan. She was like all in. And then my dad obviously had to be like, uh-uh, you're not going to Michigan. I hate Michigan because your mom <laughs> went to Michigan. Screw that. So then we moved back to New York and I visited Ohio State, fell in love, called my mom actually from the tailgate and said, oh I'm God. not flying to Michigan. I'm so sorry. Hung up the phone. She was so confused. <laughs> so upset. What did what did she say after you got her on the phone? Was she like she must have still been so confused? Oh my god! I came home and she was like, "You're still applying," and I was like, "Yeah, sure, but I don't want to go there anymore." 
I was like, I'm all in. We're Ohio State Buckeyes now. Was this your senior year of high school? Yeah, it was like um, end of September, beginning of senior year. That's crazy. So you literally like you were a Michigan fan, at least in some sense, because you're a mom. And then you went there and like couldn't believe how amazing it was there. Oh, my gosh. I was diehard. I literally told my guidance counselor I refuse to apply to Ohio State because I want to go to Michigan. And she convinced me. She's like, just apply. See what happens. Go visit. And I told her, thank you so much for making me apply. I think that's so funny because, like, I mean, we have so many Michigan alumni, like, friends. I mean, obviously, we're alumni now, but people Mm -hmm. with parents that are alumni. And can you imagine that happening in, like, any other house? Can you imagine if, like, Ruben had gone to his parents and been like, I just fell in love with Ohio State. Like, I want to go there. Like, (laughs) it actually, like, for you to be able to pull that off is actually kind of crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it all goes down to my mom being not the biggest, like, diehard Michigan alumni, as, like, most Michigan alumni are. But it's funny. I mean, I also grew up around a lot of Michigan alum because of course. all, like, your par- your friend's parents are my mom's sorority sisters. Your mom, the Zins, everyone. Like, it's it's funny. And her friends gave her a lot, a lot of hate for letting me do it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I I don't think that any of those people you listed, I mean, all of your mom's friends, like, I think most of us ended up going to Michigan. And mm-hmm. I don't even know. I mean, did, I don't know how many even applied to Ohio State. None. I think I'm yeah. the only one. Like, you I really think the, did rule, your own thing. the rule was no Ohio State, no Michigan State. And I said, okay, no Michigan State. You were like, fuck that. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to Ohio State. I fell in love. Yeah, immediately. Fell in love has, immediately. Has your mom come around at all? Like, when, when Michigan plays Ohio State now, like, will she root for Ohio State or she still go blue all the way? I think she secretly only roots for Michigan in spite of me and my dad. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. I mean, she'll wear both. She wears her Michigan. She wears her Ohio State. Um, but I don't know. I think she only does it in spite of us. I don't think she really cares. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. She she better start her for Michigan. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine anyone I went to school with ever, no matter their kid goes there or not, ever rooting for Ohio State. But I guess I that's can't imagine cause... any of you guys letting your kids go to Ohio State. Not like literally none of us. I, I mean, like you said, I don't think any of us are going to even let them apply. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing that you were able to convince your mom of that. But I guess you had your dad on your <laughs> side, so that makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Well, he visited with me, fell in love right away too. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think one of the funny parts about you, like, becoming an Ohio State fan and just, like, completely going against Michigan is that our whole life, like, for the whole rivalry rivalry of Michigan-Ohio State, when we were in middle school, high school, even, like, late in elementary school, Michigan literally never won. Like, Ohio State dominated Michigan every single year. And then – so you were a Michigan fan that whole time. Mm-hmm. And then now since you became an Ohio State fan, it's completely flipped. And now Michigan's been winning. And obviously you had you guys beat us our freshman year Are in college. Are you trying to blame me for us losing? I don't know. I think you might because have been last the problem. I checked, we won freshman year. Okay, well, yeah. Well, you guys won freshman year. So that was the last and time you guys beat us. sophomore year doesn't count. Sophomore, sophomore year, there was no game. Yeah, sophomore year, no game. And then the last two years, we beat you. So – I think there's only, like, do you have any other memory of rooting for the team that won other than your freshman year? Hmm. Like, I don't think so. I think you have one win in your whole life. Uh, no, I think Michigan won when we were younger once. One time they did. They won in 2011. They had to have won once. Yeah, they they definitely did win once. I just think it's funny because you grew up. It is funny. It's funny because you grew up (laughs) and you're, like, thinking that Ohio State just wins every year and then – the one time it's flipped is when now you're all in on Ohio State. Right. I Crazy. mean, you have to remember, and this is going to sound so bad, but I'm a girl I didn't care about I football. Know. I know. No, now I fair. do. Now I'm actually all in. I will give my blood, sweat, and tears for that football team. So I have a, I have a better question. So I know, you, mm-hmm. I know you would give your blood, sweat, and tears for that football team. I know you have become a diehard. But what percentage of you – is rooting to see all of your Michigan friends, including me, Zim, all of us in misery versus you actually being happy for the Ohio State team. 
That's a really, you know, where my brain just went to 100%, but I can't actually. <laughs> you literally you just want to see us lose. No, here's the thing is that Zach put on his Instagram story today something about like the past two years and how you guys have won and like a graveyard for us for this year. And like, it just, I just want to slap him so silly. I need, like, we need to win for the sole purpose of I get to do that. So it's 100%. Yeah, but like obviously I want us to win because that would be so awesome. No, I I know. I it makes total sense that you just want to see us in misery. I think it's funny because like I don't have that many Ohio State friends that I know that like I want to see in misery. But when you're on like Twitter and social media and stuff, seeing mm-hmm. Ohio State Twitter in complete shambles and calling for Ryan Day to be fired and they're a loser program is like those past two days, the past two years when we won were some of the funniest social media days I've ever been on. It's your fans are, your fans are too good when you guys lose. Mm-hmm. It's actually amazing. Yeah. I think that's, no, it. I agree. I just, you guys, but when you guys lose too, you guys are really sore losers. Yeah, probably. Like I, you guys I, are sore losers. I think that's like the best part about the rivalry because I mean, a lot of times, like, in sports or anything, like, you want to win just to be happy for your own team. But I think – I mean, you said this by, like, wanting to see us in misery, but I think that goes for so many people. The, one of the best parts of the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry is the fans of both sides genuinely want to see each fan base suffer. Like, they oh, yeah. want to win as much as they want to see the other fan base lose. They actively root against the other team every other day of the year. In any other sport, it could, we yeah, couldn't even insane. be playing each other. And if you're playing another team, I'm rooting against you wholeheartedly. I know every time Ohio State loses, and it doesn't happen that often, but whenever it does, that's like an amazing mm-hmm. day. And I hope it happens again this year. Wow, it's going to be really <laughs> I, fun on Saturday. I can't believe this. That crazy day. I know. Um, all right, final question then for you. I know I said you only won one time your freshman year or like at least of recent memory, I guess you won once as a Michigan fan. Do you have like a favorite memory of Michigan, Ohio state in your life? Can you pinpoint like one day? Maybe was, was it last year? Could have been. That was a great day for me. That honestly, I was going to say last year when you guys came to visit. Yeah, that, that was and my amazing. Whole family was there. That was one of the most fun days of, until, you know, the game started and, all hell went to shit. But, you know, um, it was really fun up until that point. That was such a good day. I still tell people, like, I've been to a million sporting events in my life. I'm a diehard of so many things. And I'm going to continue to go to sporting events and stuff for the rest of my life. And it's going to be genuinely hard to top as much fun as I had that day in Columbus. It was actually unbelievable. And obviously, a lot of it was because Michigan won. But the entire right. day of that and, like, going into a stadium of a fan base that you hate and seeing a hundred thousand people furious and booing and up in arms, like just over Michigan's dominance was, and then on top of that, amazing hospitality, great tailgate, great memories. That was just an all time day. Couldn't believe that on that. It was such a great weekend. Wow. I love that we get to do it like forever. Do we get to do it forever though? I mean, why not? We're Michigan, Ohio State fans. You're not going this why year. Are you we? going this year? No, I'm not going this year. But yeah, I'm not either, unfortunately. I would, still, I would drag you all to Ohio State again. You I can, would go to Michigan. You don't have to drag me there. I would happily come again. That was such a good See, day. I, I take such pride in the fact that you Michigan boys state that visiting Ohio State, visiting me, was the best weekend of your lives. I take right. such pride in that. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to call mm-hmm. it the best weekend of my life. But you, it was... all, you were all so beyond happy to be in Columbus, Ohio. It was, it was amazing. But it wasn't about being in Columbus. It was more about I know. being it in Columbus and watching you all suffer. And then obviously. But, but like, to defend Columbus, you guys would not have as much fun if you would won in Michigan. Mm, all right well it's actually funny you say that because i brought this up on a different episode with ruben and zim and said and i said that i had more fun and it was a better day when we won our senior year at columbus than i had our junior we won at michigan 
and they completely disagreed. I think that's just like they're like even bigger diehard fans than me, and like being able to storm the field was like a huge deal for them. Yeah. But I just like as like a sports fan and like watching the Ohio State fan base in that stadium suffer was like so amazing. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like the difference is the year you guys won in Michigan was the first time you guys had won in like years. Yeah, that's so, true. So like that effect in and of itself is crazy. That's true. But like beating us in our home field is such a crazy experience besides the fact of beating us in your own home field, you know? Yeah, makes sense. All right, well, I said that was my last question, but I actually have one more before I let you go. I just want to know. So basically, like I like I said in the beginning, the last like 15 years or whatever, you guys have completely dominated us. Ohio State's won most years. And even the past two years, like I expected Ohio Ohio State was favored both years by like over Mm -hmm. a touchdown. I expected Ohio State to win. I was shocked when Michigan won. And I think the Mm -hmm. general feeling in the Michigan crowd was like always just expecting to lose, which is what made the winning so much better the past two years. Like, I didn't think Michigan was going to win two years ago. I didn't think they were going to win last year. This year, Mm -hmm. for the first time, Michigan, like, the fans are, including myself, I think we're going to kill you guys. And a lot of people are very, very confident that we're just a better team. We're at home and we're going to beat you guys this year. What is that like from an Ohio State perspective in your circle, guys and girls? Are the Ohio State fans – still just as confident as the past 15 years where they just expect to walk in and win? Or am I right in saying this is kind of the first year where the Ohio State crowd's like, oh, no, like Michigan's for real now? Well, let me ask you a question. Fine. Over the past few years, when you guys, you know, know you were going to lose or thought you were going to lose. I thought, yeah. had the upper hand. Yeah. Do you think that, you were going to win? Did you think that you were going to lose, even though everyone said that you were going to lose? I I did. There's probably delusional fans out there. Um, I don't need to name them, but I mean, I guess I can name a couple, <laughs> like maybe Kramer and Edelman, maybe, <laughs> that probably just expected Michigan to win, even though they lost every year. But I agreed with the odds that said Ohio State was probably going to win. No, I did not think we were going to go to Columbus and win by three touchdowns or even win at all. And I Mm -hmm. didn't think we were going to win two years ago going up against all your amazing receivers. And you guys were, I think, three in the country at the time or two. We were both really good that year. But I still just expected the same thing to happen. So to answer your question, I actually did expect Michigan to lose. And I would (laughs) – I like, but I'm not in the majority because I am a much more unbiased Michigan fan than most of my other friends. Maybe the Ohio State (laughs) – fan bases like that too where they're just completely biased and delusional and think they're going to win but do, do you know at all like is there and because I feel like the past 15 years there was never a sense of nerves coming from the Ohio State's coming from the Ohio State side is that finally a thing this year or are you guys still overconfident like they're Michigan we're going to beat them like it's our time to take it back I don't think it's overconfidence when I look at Ohio I mean okay When I look at Ohio State fans and I look at Michigan fans, I look at Michigan fans as confident and arrogant and like, no offense, I love you guys, you know I love you guys, but confident, arrogant, like Ohio State fans, yes, we want to win, yes, we're confident, arrogant, but we're happy like with the outcome, you know, like we have a good time no matter what, we love our team no matter what, like yes, you guys do too, but you guys are sore losers as I mentioned This is such a, it's such a thing because it, I feel it like it's, it might no, be a I mean, it, it's such a stereotype. It's, a stereotype. it's like it's every Ohio wrong. State fan out there just believes that Michigans are arrogant and spoiled and privileged, like all these things, like coming out. Like, is, what did we do? I'm saying this coming from a Michigan fan turned non-Michigan. Fan. I know. So you you really think that like is a fair stereotype? Not in the full sense. I think there is some reality to it, but there's reality to that to every team. They hate us because they ain't us. Right, but I'll say the same thing. They hate us because they ain't us. I think there's a lot of jealousy towards Michigan, just like not for for good or for better or for worse. Like Michigan, there's a level, there's there's like a level of, there's like, it's kind of a cult in some sense. Like when you go to Michigan, like it's a crazy alumni base and Every time you see 
a Michigan hat or a t-shirt. It's go blue. Like there's, there's definitely that element to it. I think that's just jealousy. And then all these other people develop this hatred towards Michigan. I don't think there's like a national hatred towards Ohio state other than the Michigan fans. But I feel like everyone hates Michigan. Right. But then we have those t-shirts that are like, Jesus hates Michigan, F Michigan. Like we have all that stuff too, you know? I know. So like, that's where like the line is kind of, or it's kind of like gray. Like, I just think Michigan fans get that stereotype more so than other fans. And you think it's yeah. somewhat fair? I don't think it's not fair. Fan. I, I love you guys. So I, under, I, I do understand a little bit of it. I understand the cult element. I understand the huge alumni base. There is base. such a cult element. I'm so it here is. for it. Yeah, it's pretty fun. But going back, to, going back to your original question, do I think that we're going to win? Do I think that we're overconfident? I think that this year has proven really tough for our team. We've had very tough games. You guys have had a very easy schedule. That's true. Compared to us. Sure. Which is fact. There's no like. That's definitely true. Yeah, we've had a very easy schedule. You guys have had a very easy schedule compared to us. Um, But I think that we have come out on top underdogs for a reason, on purpose. And I think this game will be no different. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think that a lot of people are rooting for Michigan. Sadly, unfortunately, whatever. But we've we've shown that we're the underdogs and we can can take on the heat. That is my... And we come out on top every single time. That is my one fear about this game is that Ohio State's never an underdog. Like, they're Mm -hmm. ever. In any game they play, they are never an underdog. So, it's the first time... every game this this season, we have been the underdog. And we have... All right. Well, you haven't been the underdog. You haven't been the underdog. There were some games that were close. But now you're truly an underdog. And it's the first time that you guys can take on the mentality of, like, nobody believes in us. Like, watch us. That's the only part that scares me about this game. Other than that, I think we're going to be... And that has been... That has been the team's mentality this whole season is like, we're going to come out on top. Um, we, we're going to win, you know, fight to the end. We will see. It's going to be a good game. We will see. I'm so excited. I know you I'm are so too. Excited. It's going to be fucking awesome. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> Nicole, thanks for coming on. Had to, had to have one Ohio State person on at least before before this game happens. I know, uh, I know you'll be rooting on your Buckeyes. Hopefully your mom is – Still wearing her Michigan T-shirt under a sweatshirt or something. I know she did that to the game last year. So we she see. did do that last year. I know. Year. I respect and I wore it. mommy's little disappointment. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, Nicole. Be good. I'll see you soon. Go blue. Anytime. Go Bucks. All right, that's gonna wrap it up for today. Special thanks to Zim, Spiegel, and Nicole for joining. Hope you all enjoyed listening. Feel free to send it around to your friends and family. I appreciate the support as always. Big day tomorrow. Go Blue.